Hey designer, Kate Bendewald here. Do you know about Designers Oasis and the template shop? I'm so excited to share with you the new eDesign toolkit with everything you need to confidently offer a luxury eDesign experience for your clients. Let's be honest, eDesign has inherent pitfalls, like can you actually trust your client's measurements and how do you charge for your eDesign services? I'll give you a hint, I charge the exact same rate as I do for full service clients. The eDesign toolkit covers all of this. In the toolkit, you'll receive my own lawyer-vetted legal agreement for eDesign services, an $800 value, hello, a take-and-tweak explanation of eDesign services that you can use on your website or when you're talking to interested clients. Also included is a detailed overview of our eDesign workflow. You can use it as is or customize it with your own ideas. Perhaps my favorite part of the toolkit is the fully customizable and brandable client homework kit that you can send your client with instructions on how to measure, how to take inventory of existing items, and more. You guys, you have to make this as easy on your clients as possible, and this toolkit has everything you need to do just that. It is this process and this toolkit, which is exactly why I'm able to charge top dollar for this luxury e-design service, and you can too. And as a bonus, you'll get a recording of the live training we did a few months ago, where I go into detail on how I provide my clients a seamless e-design experience. All right, head over to designersoasis.com forward slash shop right now to pick up the e-design toolkit. And exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can get 10% off with the code eDesign10. Don't worry if you're driving, we'll link it in the show notes. Again, that's designersoasis.com and use the code eDesign10. All right, now on to the show. Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. We're interior designers who've been meeting every Friday for coffee to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our design businesses and decided to hit the record button. We are designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Designers Getting Coffee. Today, we're interviewing Leslie's bookkeeper, Sherry Wilson of Business by the Book. Sherry started her bookkeeping business, Business by the Book, as a part-time side hustle in the fall of 2013. She absolutely loves working with designers and young entrepreneurs, helping them grow their businesses and keep track of their books while helping them understand the financial side of things. Business by the Book now has a team of six in their office in Dotsonville, Georgia, working virtually to serve creatives all across the U.S. Sherry and her team work with multiple project management systems, including Ivy and QuickBooks. While they serve many different types of businesses, they're especially focused on serving interior designers. Sherry provides very practical advice today that you won't want to miss. All right, here's today's show, episode 48, Getting Ahead Financially with Sherry Wilson. Hi, Sherry. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kate. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, it is so good to have you on. Um, So, and hi, Leslie. Hi. I'm so excited for today, you guys. Sherry is one of my favorite people. She's my bookkeeper and she's just the bomb. And I'm so excited to to have her join our conversation today. Thank you, Leslie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. 
Sherry, I'm happy to have you. I have heard wonderful things about you and um, the magic that goes on behind the scenes. I think um, so just Sherry, so you know, um, we've been sort of on this theme this season about talking with designers about financials and their business. And so when Leslie and I brainstormed, you know, who would we like to bring on to the show? You, of course, were one of the first people that came to mind for us. Um, so I want to start with, I know you feel strongly about outsourcing bookkeeping. I would agree. Why do you recommend that designers work with an outside bookkeeper instead of trying to do it all themselves? Well, um, many reasons, but so that the designer can work on what they do best and being a creative and, and then helping, you know, having the bookkeeper to help them keep track of everything. Just the knowing that your sales tax are going to be taken care of, that you are making sure that your credit card bills, that you have enough funds to pay your credit card bills and that your, um, most importantly, say, for instance, your accounts receivable, that they have gone out. And uh, and when I, when I say accounts receivable, that's the invoices that you send out to your clients as a designer. Um, just allowing your bookkeeper to help you manage every aspect of your bookkeeping. Um, right. and, and it's really best to get started from the beginning. And when you first start your business, because when you get really busy, the last thing that you need to do is try to figure out, oh, God, <laughs> you, have to you have to train your bookkeeper how you work, and your bookkeeper kind of has to train you, um, work together, and you know, because you're a team. And um, that's one of the things here in our office, we work with bookkeepers or with um, designers all over the United States. And so... We have to know how they run their business and what's important to them. Um, Leslie is a great example for that. She, from the very beginning, she knew what she wanted out of a bookkeeper, and and she made that very clear to us. So we're uh, hopefully we have helped her along the way as she has asked us to be a part of her team. Um, Absolutely, you have. Yes. <laughs> just, um, thank you. I'm so glad. Uh, and that is um, just so important to us that we serve our clients and our clients being the, the designers, the photographers, the doctors, the architects, um, that we are serving them so that they can do what they do best. Yeah, I. this is something, Sherry, that it took me a long time to realize the value of outsourcing bookkeeping. I think a lot of us, especially when we start, feel like we can do it all ourselves because it's not that hard. You know, it's QuickBooks and you just put some numbers in and blah, blah, blah. But I can, it's not that easy as we all know. And I can remember, gosh, I was maybe a year, 18 months into business and I was still trying to do it on my own and I was doing month end stuff. And my books didn't balance. I was off by 60 cents, which, you know, isn't much. But of course, if it doesn't balance, it doesn't balance and it's wrong. And I'm not even exaggerating, Sherry. By the time I was done, I think it took between 11 and 12 hours for me to go through everything with a fine tooth comb, 
figure out what happened. All it was was that I misread a number and I put in 10 cents instead of 70. Like I read the seven as a one. All that to say, I did the math and just thought, gee, if I just spent 12 hours on this and I had billed that out at my hourly rate, (laughs) I could pay for a bookkeeper for a year. Like this is so stupid. So it took that moment for me to really start the process of outsourcing it. But I do agree with you on that because it's one of those things that, you know, unless it is a real natural gift and strength for you, all bookkeeping is going to do is take your focus away from growing your business, from relating with your clients and from doing amazing design work. So Yes to that. I don't want anyone else to have I to spend twelve point hours. Out that's one of the that's one <laughs> of ahead. the major differences between me and Leslie is if I saw the difference of sixty cents, I would definitely be like, "Good enough for me." <laughs> <laughs> There's no way in hell I would spend that much time trying to figure it out. Although sometimes I do get like real aggressive and focused and zoned in, but um, no, I, that's one of the things I appreciate about Leslie. And Leslie, I have to agree with you. Um, I was similar. I I know that I got accounting um, consulting very early, but I was still doing the monthly like reconciliations and that sort of thing. Um, but I got help setting things up at the beginning. But it didn't take long for me to realize, hmm, this really is not my jam. Um, <laughs> and I would pay any amount of money to have someone else do this. <laughs> and I think that that. Um, you know, when you're just getting started, just like Leslie said, that this is, um, it is one of those things that kind of feels hard to pay for at first. Cause it does, it's like, Oh, how hard could it be? Um, <laughs> 12 hours I, hard. That's how guess, hard it is. Yeah. And I guess when you're just getting started and you're just setting things up, like, sure, you want to be intimately familiar with how the finances of your, your business work, but, um, it shouldn't take long. I think I want to tell our listeners, you know, if you're just getting started to just make it a priority to plan to spend the money for a really good, um, bookkeeper that can help you kind of be your, your, um, financial partner. It's, it's such a huge step in the right direction for building a a legitimate business. So one of the things, are you a designer as well? Oh yeah. Okay. So one of the things that you know that in design, in the design industry, you use every aspect of bookkeeping. You use estimates, you use invoicing, you use billing, you use purchase orders. Even some of you have inventory. And so it can become very, very complicated very quickly. And so that's why that, because it's not just reconciling a bank account. It's reconciling your purchase orders to your invoicing or to your billing and then reconciling your estimates to your invoices and then retainers. And boy, that can really get quite confusing when you take start taking retainers um, and how they're supposed to be managed. So um, the design industry is not one to that can really just say, oh, well, I just need to reconcile my bank account. You know, that, that's not, that's not what it's all about. What it's I, all is I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> I, I think that 
my advice to any designer would be to find a bookkeeper. We happen to know a really great one. We can share your info when we're done here, who really understands the nuances of the interior design industry. You know, it's different from, let's say, like creating a product where, you know, you have like raw cost of goods and you've got inventory. Um, You know, we have some aspects of that, but I can just see a lot of other industries where things can be much simpler, but by nature, especially if you're purchasing for clients, by nature of what we do, it is more nuanced. And so having a bookkeeper who understands our industry and how it works, I think is super important. So important. The, you know, I don't know if you're ready to move on to this or not, but the sales tax issue. Oh, let's talk about that because that stuff can get messy real fast. I rolled out of bed today thinking I wanted to talk about sales tax. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, But the sales tax issue, and it has changed so much, um, especially in the age that we're in. And when you do business out of state and how that, what that means to your business and how you collect sales tax, um, and what state you're supposed to collect for and that sort of thing. We, the rules are constantly changing and we are constantly having to stay on top of that. Um, and that's, if you do that as a designer and you're just trying to keep up with all the rules, you're not, you're not going to have it. You're not going to be able to find any creativity. You know, it's kind of like, I'm not, (laughs) because that is not what I do, but, um, just, the sales tax is so important that we make sure that we're doing that correctly these days um, with the Wayfair bills and that sort of thing. Yeah. And one thing that I've done, I know, Sherry, you've helped me get this set up, is I have a separate bank account for my sales tax. So it is physically in a separate account that visually I know I cannot touch that money because it does not belong to me. So that's been something really helpful that you've helped me kind of implement and keep going every month and it's just, it's made things a lot better because I've been there before where a bill comes and I don't have the money for it. <laughs> that is a problem. It is a big problem. No, I, I have um, interviewed people and, and started working with people who they just had no idea. They were just, they were collecting the sales tax. They, they didn't know that there's a, there's the other part of that is that you're acting as an agent and you're collecting it for the state. And that is not your money. You know, that, so people really, there are people out there that just do not understand that. Um, and they collected sales tax for many, many years and never um, paid it back. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. I will say, Sherry, very early on, uh, so I'm in Denver, Colorado, and I'm sure that many cities do this, but um, whether you're working out of state or in state or in the next town, um, tax laws change. Um, one of the very first things I did when I first started my business was I went to my like Denver small business, whatever website, and they had a bunch of resources, you know, for folks who are just starting a new business and they held a free, a once a month held a free, um, day long class on how to, you know, how to handle sales tax to teach new business owners how to do that. And I imagine that, you know, most decent sized towns and cities would have a resource like this. So yes, you need a bookkeeper to help you manage the ins and outs of it. But as a designer or any business owner that's just getting started, 
um, if you're selling product, you need to understand your obligations to sales tax. And it, and honestly, just taking that class did, took the overwhelm out of it for me. Um, I got a clear sense of what my responsibilities were and how to handle it. Um, but then I did let somebody else help me, you know, manage it like Leslie does. I also keep a separate account for that. So to our listeners, yes, get your bookkeeper to help you with sales tax, but make it your responsibility. Don't outsource that completely to your bookkeeper. You have a responsibility to learn this as a business owner, at least the fundamentals, right? And so check with your local um, small business office and find out if they have any kind of a resource, whether it's in person or online or something like that. And so, okay, you know, the other thing is, is in each state, it's a little bit different. Some states um, charge, you have to collect sales tax on services and on shipping. And shipping, yeah. And, pro- and not only on product. So um, the, those are the type of things that you need to find. And so my hat's off to you for looking into that in the beginning when you very first started your business, because that's very wise. And a lot of people just... You know, they're so excited and anxious to get this started, and I totally get that, too. Yeah. Um, there's so much there's so much to think about when you're getting started. I realize that sales tax, you know, might not be top of mind, but it is important to keep yourself uh, in compliance. And I would argue or go as far as to say from town to town, it can change. Sherry, I live in Denver, but I would have clients in Boulder. Well, Denver has a local sales tax that is applied for their cultural district, Um, And then Boulder has its own tax. So if I had a Boulder client, they would have a different tax percentage than my Denver clients. And I would never have known that if I, you know, hadn't taken that class. And that could be the case for you. Let's say, Leslie, you're in Macon, but if you've got a client in Atlanta, do you know if there's a separate, you know, special local city tax within Atlanta? I mean, I'm sure you've got that figured out, but um, these are just things I didn't know to think about until I was told. So... So very true. Yes, we have every county has a different rate. There's a state rate and then a county rate. And then if you're in the city, there's a city rate for the city of Atlanta. So, yeah. And then, in, New, in New York, they have a borough tax, too. So even even as local as the local boroughs have local taxes. So, yeah, just check. Just talk. Talk to your um you know, small, but your bookkeeper. Yes. Get your bookkeeper to help you. <laughs> awesome. your bookkeeper. Yes. And you know, I, the funny thing, here's a funny story and I will move on from sales tax, but I have <laughs> clients that they will collect a tax for say Kentucky. And so, and I, and this is very passive aggressive and I don't mean it's kind of like, so I email them and I'm like, so can you share your Kentucky login information with me so I can help file your taxes? Well, I don't have that. Well, I saw that you collected Kentucky sales tax. Well, yeah, my clients are in Kentucky. Oh, okay. So, you know, just without even thinking or knowing that, okay, there is a process here. We need to, we need to find out what, what our relationship is with Kentucky for instance, and uh, and move on that way. But it's funny because if, if I see that they're collecting from a different state, I'm like, oh, I don't have your login for that state. Could you share that with me? What? Anyway. Yeah. Ignorance is not bliss. No. You know, there's a lot <laughs> it of repercussions. Isn't. Well, that's, that's fair. 
I was listening to a podcast recently. I think it was on a well-designed business. And I forget the, the woman's name or the episode, but we can link it. But she was talking, the whole episode was about her working with her CPA and sales tax. And basically what happened was she wasn't collecting properly. There was, she didn't know she was really doing her best and her, you know, she expected sort of other people, her CPA specifically to take care of it for her. She got audited and slapped with something like a $48,000 tax bill that she was completely unprepared for. So, I mean, this stuff is real. This is not, you know, you might only, you might be a quote, small business and your revenues might be small, but if you aren't collecting tax properly and giving it to the government properly, there are definitely repercussions. So get yourself a Sherry, <laughs> talk to them, help the, you know, have them help you get set up properly so that this is stuff that is idiot proof for you and you know you're doing it right. Cause that's the last thing you need is to wake up to an audit and a scary bill from the IRS. Well, Sherry sort of, well, let's leave sales tax because it's it's giving me like the the heart palpitations right now. But I, I just opened talk- the cider. <laughs> it's okay. It's good. I wanted to talk about software because one of the reasons I was really drawn to working with you, besides you know you are warm and lovely, and I've just really loved working with you, and you came so highly recommended. But the reason that I was like, yes, this is my girl, is because you are working in QuickBooks, Ivy, and Profit First, and those are three things that are really essential in my business and very niche and specific for me to be using all of those together. I know this kind of combination maybe isn't for everybody, but for designers just starting out, are there specific software programs or methodologies that you find that are really well suited for the design industry? You work with a lot of industries, but I know you have a lot of designers that you partner with. So any sort of recommendations for new designers or designers that maybe don't have all their financial ducks in a row and are looking for solutions to get organized? So all of our clients are on QuickBooks Online and that is, uh, it has come a long way. You know, every before there used to just be the desktop version and then when they rolled out the online version it, it was kind of it's kind of a little quirky and people weren't sure they wanted to work in the cloud it is the best thing ever because you can travel and you can take your computer with your laptop with you and you can log in anywhere and you've got your you can work from anywhere you've got you've got your business with you you can be on vacation and you can still invoice your clients so we highly highly recommend that you be able to stay on top of your business by using the QuickBooks Online. And then uh, as far as project management systems, you know, the thing is about QuickBooks Online, it has everything that you need for your financial side of your business. But if you need, if you feel like you want something to send out your proposals and your estimates and uh, you want to send pretty pictures and that sort of thing with your estimates, And we do, of course. We want the pretty pictures. (laughs) We want those pretty proposals, absolutely. Um, And you want your clients to be able to pay online, which is the best, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just Ivy is by far one of the the better products that we have found, and we work and we have worked with many, many, many. We we have some that use. You know, I could start dropping names, Designer Logic, Studio Webware, Studio Design. Um, and we do have one or two that are in each of those. You know, they're using those different project management systems and they all work well for them. But the majority of our designer is with Ivy and mm-hmm. our team is that we're strong Ivy provider. 
Um, you know, they're very, very Ivy savvy um, and understand the ins and outs of it. Very yeah. well. I've um, always loved that I can call on you guys when I've messed something up. Because, you know, there's always, when you're syncing from one program to another, there can be issues and glitches. And I love that I can have you guys in both. That, you know, you guys are mainly QuickBooks for me and I do the Ivy stuff. But if there's something that needs attention, <laughs> I know you're not scared of it. And you can hop in there and make changes and <laughs> make it better for me when I make mistakes. Right. It truly is a great, um, a great software for design. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I've been happy with it. We've definitely talked about it on the podcast before, and <laughs> Kate and I don't always share the same views, but I think she might have come around. <laughs> she may have joined me on <laughs> Ivy. I have a storied past with Ivy. Well, let's just be honest. They made a lot of improvements yes. from the time I first tried them out until uh, when I decided to get back with the old boyfriend, so to speak. <laughs> so, um, I, Leslie, you mentioned profit first, and um, I'm wondering if we could just talk about that for a minute. Um, We have, (laughs) I'm laughing because we're working from home and I hear uh, Leslie has a little visitor. That's okay. We're used to it. That's, that's our new normal. That's our new normal. (laughs) So um, profit first is, uh, we've talked about it before. It's this idea that was developed by Mike Michalowicz and, um, and I do profit first in my business as well, Sherry. Um, but can you just briefly explain to our listeners, um, what profit first is we've touched on it very high level in the past on, on this podcast, but, um, you know, why would a designer want to practice profit first in their business. The great thing about profit first, it's, it's, it speaks to when Leslie said earlier that she has a sales tax, like a sales tax savings account that she moves her money into each month so that she knows that that is not her money. Well, that would be one of the things that the profit first would teach you. Um, so profit first is all about paying yourself first. Um, and then um, putting the rest into savings or putting money away for, you know, into your profit account, putting your money away for your taxes. So, um, you know, there are certain percentages that different people have set up differently, but pay yourself first and then you um, put your money, your taxes away. You go ahead and say, I'm going to put 15% away for taxes and um, and then you put money away for a rainy day, so you've got that savings. And then we even have clients that will take it further and say, you know, I want to start saving money for a car, and I want to start saving money for college, and and they and they just divvy it up. And so you can do so much. And what you do is you finish out your financial statements at the end of the month, and you and then you. You look and you see, depending on your revenue minus your cost of goods, and then you that gives you your gross profit, and that's what it's based on. And and then you figure your um, you determine your percentages based on your gross profit, and whatever's left over, that's to pay your expenses for your business. And what you want to do is have you know about thirty percent for your office expenses leftover. That's a good, that's a good number. I appreciate having sort of a, a, a specific target to go after to, to operate your, your business. Um, so just to recap 
so the profit first model is the idea of paying yourself first and then whatever's left is what you have to run your business on. Um, and so for me, I have multiple bank accounts. Um, I have my operating expenses checking account. I have my, I have a checking account that's for my cost of goods. So anytime a client pays me for product, that money automatically goes into that bank account. So I visually and physically have that money separated. And I know that that's for their goods. Now, at the end of a project, there might be profit left over from the sale of those goods to which I will then move. But to start, it goes into that bank account. I have a savings account and I actually use my savings account for my taxes. That's where I hold my money for taxes. And then I have a profit account. So I, I only have four. I think profit first maybe does five, but um, that's that's how I do it. It's simple enough for me. Um, and the other thing I do, just while we're on the topic of managing money, um, I have two credit cards. I have one is my primary, just everyday office expenses. So it's how I pay for my bookkeeper. It's how I pay my for my website, for dining out with a client, lunch, gifts, that sort of thing. And then I have a separate credit card that's specifically used for product purchases. So um, if it's if I'm making purchases on behalf of a client, it goes on a separate card. So my bookkeeper always knows um, when she's reconciling if it was on this card, it's a cost of goods sold. If it's on this card, it's part of the operating expenses. So that's one way too that was really helpful. It was a game changer for me to have two separate credit cards to help me manage my uh, my money. So at the end of the month, the credit card that is for operating expenses gets paid with that checking account that holds money for operating expenses. And then my second credit card for product for clients gets paid out of that other checking account. So they, they work, you know, they're sort of in their own little funnel, so to speak. So do you have other designers that operate similarly? Absolutely. We recommend them to everyone. And, and, you know, some, we might get a little pushback because that they're not ready to go that route, but this is, it's very wise to do that. Absolutely. It just stripped out a lot of confusion and a lot of math <laughs> for me that I just didn't have time to do. I can very quickly log on to Chase Bank and see, you know, how much money is in each account and how much money are on each credit card. And, you know, I can very quickly see where everything stands. So cool. Very smart. Yes. So to stay organized and ahead financially, it's important to review your financial reports and your credit card statements regularly. Um, Sherry, what documents do we need to be looking at and how often do you recommend we spend time doing this? So, you know, I think that a lot of people are under the impression that, well, I have a bookkeeper, so I don't need to look at my bank statement. I don't need to look at my credit card statements. And that is so wrong because you are going to notice first if there are charges or you know, any you know, fraudulent charges or things that you did not mean to go into that account or we're not going to know that because we're, you know, we're in a different, even though we are working really, really close with you and we, and we might be able to identify items that are not necessarily yours or are put on there by mistake. You really still need to be reviewing your bank statement every month. 
and your credit card statements. Um, you might have accidentally put something that's personal on there that you didn't mean to, you, you know, and, and we want to identify those. Um, so I say, look at your bank statements and your credit card statements at the first of the month. Just train yourself. I just need to, you know, give it a quick look at. You don't have to send it to us. You don't have, we have access to that. So that's not necessary for you, but always review those. And then, um, once your financial statements are sent to you, or if you have a, we use Smart Vault, and um, so now instead of emailing statements, we put them in your Smart Vault, and the client can go into their small Smart Vault and pull their financials. Um, but really reviewing those and going over, and especially if you're doing the, if you're putting the profit first savings into place, and that's how you're paying yourself. You're going to have to review your financials every month. Um, you want to also look at your open accounts payable, um, making sure that what that a lot of times a vendor might charge you the wrong amount, you know, and you need to know did did we were we charged correctly, or you might have a shipping charge or some some extra, you know, tariff charge now especially that you weren't anticipating. So really, really looking at that accounts payable list and those open invoices. Um, and of course, your accounts receivable, what's outstanding and what needs to be paid that, you know, you are, gosh, I thought that my client paid that or why did he only pay 50%? You know, what's up with that? Um, just reviewing all of those reports um, at least once a month. I know to you, this is, um, you know, finance 101, but can you just define accounts receivable and, and what that is okay. for our so listeners? Accounts receivable is that's when you invoice your clients. That's money that is receivable to you. That's your revenue. And um, so when you invoice your client and you send it to them in the, you know, they, if you use QuickBooks or Ivy, they get an email, they open it, and, they, and they're paying it. That's your accounts receivable. Um, and, and the opposite of that is? Accounts payable. And <laughs> accounts payable are your um, bills that you owe for the product that you purchase for your co cost of goods. So I guess that's something that um, everyone, what we do for our clients is we break down your cost of goods. Um, so you've got, you know, your different products, you have flooring and you have wallpaper, you know, so you've got accessories and wallpaper and um, furniture and fixtures. We, we break down the cogs as much as we give you as much detail as you want to have, uh, depending on your set of books and what you want to look at. So you're looking at, well, um, and it's a good, um, we do profitability reports for clients for their clients. So at the end of a job or if we're moving along, we can uh, do a profitability report for your A client. And um, and you can see, well, we spent, gosh, we spent $5,000 on furniture and he's, we've only invoiced him for four for this client. So we can, we can do that for you. Um, 
just to, you know, I'm another one of those reports. It's really good to look at at the end of the project, but it's great to be able to look at them while you're going because you, if, if there's a mistake, you want to find it. You want to be proactive and not react yeah. and say, yeah. you know what? I forgot to invoice you for my time. And I just realized it because I just looked at my profitability report and I haven't invoiced you for any design time. Um, so, you know, with everything that's going on now with working from home, having our family at home with us and trying to have our business and help our clients, it's so easy to just let things fall through the cracks. So yeah. as much as, as hard as it is, it's, the attention to the detail is even that much more necessary now than it ever has been. That's for sure. I appreciate that. And, and I have a follow-up question to that. You made me think about something as you were talking, um, you know, with purchasing product and stuff, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty dialed in there on, in, in our business and we've got a good system, but one of the things that still trips me up that it's like, Oh shoot, we, <laughs> we still owe this person all this money is some of our trades. So for example, you know, we buy the product right away as soon as it's approved. And of course we've received our money from our client for product, but let's say, I'm going to use an example of drapery, uh, real quick. So, um, the project is under construction, right? There's every, you know, this is taking months at a time. We've ordered fabric for the drapery. Um, the drapery gets sent or the fabric gets sent to the the workroom, the workroom makes the drapery and they say, this is ready when, when you guys are ready to install it. And six, nine months down the line, they're ready to install it. And of course that installation and the work to make the drapery is usually when we get our invoice for that. And it's happened to me a couple of times where I forgot like, Oh, we still haven't paid this person because we don't pay for it up front. We pay for it at the end. Mm -hmm. um, another example was like upholstery for, for some furniture work. And so because so much time had passed from when I first collected the money and we bought all the product, um, that it was just one of those things that kind of slipped to my mind. And it was a surprise for me. Do you have any tips on like how to keep, how to manage that and keep tabs on those sort of pending expenses that aren't front of mind? <laughs> So, for instance, like for the drapery and the upholstery, yeah. when they do you give a deposit? You know, one of the things would be to once you've received your funds from your client, would be to make at least a fifty percent deposit on the drapery to get them started on the work. Yeah, and then and then you're going to have that outstanding balance when you ship it up or when it's delivered and installed. Yeah. I know a lot of times that the installation fee you're not going to get that until after the fact. Right. So, you know, depending on the home and the difficulty, because, uh, you know, you never know what they're going to run into because sometimes right. that happens. It might, if it's not a new build, you know, it's, it could be more difficult. And so there, there could be extra charges. Um, I just said, I know that, um, for instance, one of my clients, when she, um, has the fabric delivered to her uh, seamstress, she gives a 70% deposit. And then and then they do a measure, and that's when they're able to go to the job, you know, to the job site and give her the idea of what they think it's going to be. And then, and of course, there's always, with dealing with the business that you are in, there's always going to be something 
and and you just have to make this this disclaimer to your client. Sure. You know, as far as we know, this is this has got everything covered, but there could be a, a situation where it would be more, and then and then you have to invoice them for the extra hundred and fifty dollar extra measure fee or right. uh, installation fee, um, and you just always stipulate that. Yeah, that's a good idea. And that's that come, has to do with having a really buttoned up contract. But so that's that's good advice, Sherry. You know, my the relationship that I have with my drapery workroom and installers and my upholsterer, they don't ask me for a deposit up front. Um, but that doesn't mean that I couldn't proactively just be like, take my money. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do they Do they give you an idea of what, how much it's going? To oh, be? sure. No, we get a proposal. They go and they measure. They send us a proposal. We present that to the client. The client approves it. They pay. The client pays us. But then when we turn around and tell the workroom or the upholsterer this is approved, please go ahead. We've ordered the fabric. It should be arriving soon. Uh, they'll just do it without taking any money up front. Um, you know, these are often mom and pop. <laughs> facilities. And, and so that's just been my experience. Um, and yeah, and yeah, so, so I would handle that money just like sales tax money. I would say, okay, I know that this is not going to come around for a while. I've already been paid for it. I'm going to move this money into my savings account so that I don't spend it. And because it's earmarked for draperies and, and just because six months is a long time. And yeah. But earmark that money in your savings account. Move it out of your operating account, out of your OPEX account. Yeah. And Kate, if you're creating a purchase order, that purchase order will show up on your account's payable report. So if you are reviewing things monthly, because I've had the same thing. And, you know, as long as I'm following my process, you know, proposal, you get the money from the client, you create your purchase order, that open purchase order is going to show up to remind you. Because I was not in the habit of doing that at the beginning. And that's been a big change is to be able to see on my accounts payable report every month. Like, oh yeah, you're going to owe that thousand dollars to the drapery maker. And it just keeps showing up and nagging you every month <laughs> until they finally yes. collect on it. That is true. And, and Leslie, that is one of the reasons that I did decide to move, um, back to Ivy was because they do purchase, they integrate purchase orders with their specification tool. The tool that I used previously did not have the option to do purchase orders. So I would, you know, <sighs> have oh, things yeah that was so, a missing step. yeah yeah yeah. and we have not had the opportunity yet to utilize that feature in ivy but we we will soon so cool all right well thank you leslie and sherry for that advice i appreciate I've learned it a lot from sherry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah this is just one of those nagging things that i've just dealt with for years i've gotten better at earmarking things and like keeping tabs on it but still you know it it comes up and i'm like oh Dang it. I don't have as much money as I thought. (laughs) That's never a good feeling. All right. Well, before we sort of wrap things up here, Sherry, we have one more money question for you. And, you know, the reason this season of the podcast is about finances is because of everything that's happening in the world right now. We are all very focused on our money and income and all that stuff. You know, setting aside funds and taxes for a rainy day is extra important right now. I know a lot of us have gone through our emergency funds if we were fortunate enough to have set that up. So with where we are right now, the summer of 2020, how can designers be proactive and set themselves up for financial success 
moving forward? What can what little steps can we take or systems can we put in place to start getting ahead financially? Goodness, I think that we um, we just have to really watch our money very closely and um, be cautious about what we're spending in our office. You know, do I really need this new computer right now? Do I need to, you know, and be, just be cautious about the expenses that you are um, incurring. Um, and, you know, I love the idea that you are doing the virtual design. Um, and you just have to, you have to create new ways to, to bring in income. And, and, I, and I think that you have done a great job doing that. Um, Thank you. You're writing blogs and you're, help, you're just, um, you've got your virtual designs up and running. And, and those are ways that, uh, especially for the creative, that we've got to think of new ways to, to do things and think outside the box um, and, and save every penny. That's, you know, I... I know that there's a part of us that's like, well, you know, we need to spend to get the economy back up and going. But I'm I'm very conservative when it comes to to the spending part right now. I'm like, you know what? I just need to say I can't. We're we're going to watch our money very wisely, and that's what we have to do. Yeah, that thirty percent operating fund needs to stretch even further right now than I think it has before. So. It's a good reminder. It can be hard to rein things in, but a penny saved is a penny earned. <laughs> As that <laughs> old, it's like a hundred-year-old saying, but it's it's true. And I think we forget about that. Like small little incremental differences do matter, and not going out for coffee four days a week or buying that new computer, like you said, Sherry. Those things can all make a difference to help you be set up financially and not not feel behind. Right. Right. You know, um, so many of our clients haven't missed a beat, though, you know, and they're just still busy. I think that having being the designer, you everyone's been at home and they they just keep seeing all the things that they need to do in their home. So instead of going on vacation, they're spending money on their house. Um, So I think that a lot of. A lot of designers are seeing that that they haven't they haven't stopped they haven't slowed down very much. Um, now we don't know what the fall looks like, but you know we're just going to be positive. And I like that. Yes, we're going to be positive. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for sharing tips and expertise. And it's been such a wonderful gift to have you here. I know that people who don't have a bookkeeper are going to be looking for you now. So where is the best place for our fantastic designers to connect with you? Oh, you are so kind. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the name of our business is Business by the Book. And we you can find us at businessbythebook.money. And that is our website. We would love to hear from you. Um, Just please reach out and give us a call. Awesome. And at the end of every episode, we like to share one cool thing we've discovered this week, and we invite our guests to do the same. So I'll give you a minute to think about it. But Kate, why don't you start us off? What's your one cool thing from this week? Yes, and Sherry, forgive us for putting you on the spot like this. I always have to give this a little thought, so no pressure. 
one cool thing, and I don't know if we should rename this. We've discovered this week, but because I've been using this product for a little while, but <laughs> in unpacking my home still, I'm still finding things that I forgot about. And I was pleasantly surprised this morning when I got out my um, bin with all my supplements and my um, vitamins. And it's this company called Wild One, spelled W-Y-L-D-E one and they make functional lattes. So it's like these little powder packets. It's like the size of a tea bag. And um, you put them, you put the contents into, you can put it into a smoothie. I just had a smoothie this morning and put it in there. You can put it into your coffee, but um, it's a way to enhance the drinks that you're already drinking. I personally don't like taking a million vitamins, but I know that there are lots of good stuff out there that can help just help me feel better. So Wild One is a really great company. Their packaging is outstanding. Their branding is great, um, but their functional lattes, I'll read their little blurb because I don't want to misspeak, but it's high performance elixirs and functional latte blends made with high quality adaptogens, medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, AKA brain boosters, and superfoods designed to help you transform and optimize your daily well-being. So I'll just say the one I had this morning was matcha brain buzz, um, and it has all kinds of good stuff in it. They also have one of my other favorites that I like to have at night when I'm trying to relax is called chill AF cacao. (laughs) (laughs) And it has reishi and ashwagandha mushrooms in it. So, you know, instead of a cocktail, you can have this in the non-caffeinated, uh, I really like it with, um, uh, chai. And so all kinds of good products, wild one, we'll link to it. W Y L D E one. And, uh, yeah, go check them out there. It's a great company. I like their stuff. Leslie, what's your one favorite thing from this week? I'm still reeling over all the crazy ingredients in your lattes. I'm like, mine just had milk and coffee and some like stevia or agave. I'm not getting into medicinal mushrooms, but love it. (laughs) Okay. So mine is a completely different thing. I am reading a book right now by Shauna Nyquist, and it's called Present Over Perfect, Leaving Behind Frantic for a Simpler, More Soulful Way of Living. And it's funny because I'd heard of this book. It's a New York Times bestseller. And I'm someone who has very strong boundaries and a lot of white space in my life. And I don't tend to struggle with being overbooked and over busy. And I have one of my, my best friends in the whole world, Krista, if you're listening to this, I'm throwing you under the bus here. She is one of those humans that is always going, going, going and doing. And I immediately thought, this is a book that Krista needs. And Kate's looking at me. I'm like, yeah, and kind of Kate too. <laughs> but I started reading this. I picked it up and... It is just like hitting me, you guys. It's not just about busy and schedules, but it's about a lot of, you know, like the mental load and everything that we're handling. Anyway, it's, it's a beautiful book, even during this sort of quieter season where we are at home and there's not as much going on in our calendars. But anyway, I'm just really digging it. So if that's something that you are struggling with or interested in, Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nyquist. Awesome book. I'm really digging it. As always, I've already got it pulled up on Amazon. I see that they also have a study guide and a journal. So we should all just go buy the packet together and do a book club. Designers getting coffee book club. Oh my gosh, this might be a thing. Because listen, this is exactly my problem and why I need this book. Because I like get these ideas and I'm like, we're going to do this now. (laughs) Book club. 
up something else. All right. Before the book club, let me read the book and backtrack. All right. Sounds good. Sherry, um, I know we haven't given you much heads up, but is there something that you've been reminded of or been excited about or discovered this week that um, it doesn't have to have anything to do with interior design, just something you are enjoying? Anything you can think of? I will tell you that um, I have started, this is nothing to do with either of the things that you guys mentioned, but I am on Wednesdays, I babysit my new grandson. So (laughs) I wish I could send you a picture right now because um, that is my new go-to. It's just right now, just loving on him and taking care of him and helping out whenever possible and really enjoying my Wednesdays with um, our grandson, Andrew, or his, his name is Sanders and he oh. is adorable. He's four months old. Oh my goodness. I love all the babies, Sherry. I can just picture that little scrumptious grandbaby of yours. Enjoy that time. Yeah. It's so precious and they grow up so fast. They do. And so for my daughter, she works with us and for her to come back to work, that is my day to, um, to watch him. And it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And I will tell you that when I got home last night, I was exhausted. I was like, <laughs> and he's only four months old and I was exhausted. Well, Sherry, Leslie and I, neither of us have parents that live in the same town as us. So um, we, we can appreciate uh, for your daughter having you around and know how much that means, uh, not only for you to get to spend time with your grandbaby, but for your daughter to to be able to, you know, have her her time as well. So enjoy that time. And, and thanks for sharing that with us. May I bring you my children on Wednesdays as well? <laughs> <laughs> I'll make the drive. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Sherry. This was delightful. You've really encouraged me, I think, personally, just to Um, it's been a little while with everything going on to just schedule some time and sit down for a real deep dive, look at things. You know, I, I have habits of doing like the, the daily and weekly stuff, but it's, I'm probably overdue for a good deep dive, look at, uh, money and where it's all coming and going. So I think, you know, I'd be happy to help you, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) I sometimes need an accountability partner. (laughs) We all do. We all do. Right. Perfection. Well, thank you so much, Sherry. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. Hey, designer. Thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. We'd love to hear your feedback and are so grateful that you're sharing the show with your designer friends. For more Designers Getting Coffee and to join the conversation, head over to designersgettingcoffee.com for show notes, free downloads, and more. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at designersgettingcoffee.